0: forever dog
1: because I remember I was frustrated that I wasn't getting ingenue parts you know I felt like why is Winona Ryder getting to do all these ingenue parts and I'm always like the best friend who asks all the questions
0: Welcome to Household Faces, the podcast where a character actor interviews other character actors. I'm your host, John Ross Bowie. You might know me from Speechless, The Big Bang Theory, or that episode of Monk where they spend the entire show thinking the killer is Howie Mandel, but it's actually me. Our guest this episode is Martha Plimpton. You know Martha from... Geez, the Goonies, Parenthood, Running on Empty, Beautiful Girls, more recently things like The Real O'Neill's, Raising Hope, and the HBO Max show on which I met her, Generation. It is a broad, extensive conversation about growing up in New York and failing out of a high school that actually sounds like it was pretty easy. There's some Stoppard. There's some Shakespeare. We cover a lot of ground. Please welcome Martha Plimpton. We are off to the races. We're off. Splendid.
1: Are, are we also seeing us on camera too?
0: We are not. Pick your oh, nose cool. with impunity. Yay. Martha, thank you so much for doing this.
1: It's my pleasure. We'll just
0: start from the very beginning. We're going to start chronologically and then we're probably going to end up going all over the place, which is usually what happens with this thing. Okay. Both your parents are actors. Yes. Keith Carradine and Shelley Plumpton, your grandfather's an actor. Was there ever any thought that you might not go into the family business.
1: I might've entertained it a couple of times as a fantasy, but since I started doing this when I was eight years old, um, it it just kind of, it, it didn't really end up happening that way. I didn't end up following any other, any other thing.
0: I have to ask what the fantasy of, of another job was. Uh, I, I, if, I'm fascinated with the sort of like reverse timeline you've got going on here of like, ah, if only I could go into aluminum siding sales. Or uh,
1: For or- a little while there, I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a writer. As I got older, I realized I, I like to dabble in writing, but I just don't have the discipline or that type of discipline I don't have. Uh, then for a while I wanted to be a truck driver.
0: Why truck driver?
1: Because I love the idea of being out on the road and not having to deal with anybody. <laughs> and I do love driving. It's a great um, job for a
0: driving misanthrope.
1: It is. It is. And I am a driving misanthrope. So, you know, uh, so I, I did, I did entertain thoughts of that for a while. Usually while I was already driving, like, I've driven across country like 17 times. Really? Yes. Yes, I have. And uh, in all different directions, too, like up, down, zigzag, sideways, diagonal, straight across. I was
0: just talking to my wife uh, uh, last night about how I want to try and hit all 50 states. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've got Alaska, which is the hard one.
1: Right. Um, so that one I, I don't have. That one I don't have.
0: Have you Have you done the Lower Forty Eight though? I if have. Yeah, that's amazing. I, that's I've been so through cool. Every
1: single state in the country uh, at one point or another.
0: On this podcast, we we you know we we interview journeyman actors, a lot of a lot of character actors, a lot of people who who tend to play certain types. Uh, like we've interviewed tons of like career bad guys. Right, um, and tons of career computer geeks and and all sorts of people like that who tend to really get put in a box. Right, and you don't until recently, where there's been a spate of you playing conservative types. I'm looking at mm-hmm. um, the real O'Neils. I'm looking yeah. at Generation, the show we do together. Uh-huh. I'm looking at the con- the closeted senator in Hello Again.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I
0: do my fucking homework, Martha. Yes,
1: yes, you do. Wow, you
0: really do. And um. There has been this run in the past five years of a thirty-plus year career where you're playing these very tight, um, not literally middle American because our show takes place in Orange County, but right. um, uh, but is this incredible conservatism? Why do you think that is? Why why are, why are you being gravitated towards this way? Are you I don't are you know. choosing it's, these roles or?
1: Um- no. It, well, you know, as opposed to what it was in my in most of my teens and 20s, which was pregnant teenagers right. <laughs> and drug addicts. Yeah. <laughs> I run the gamut. Um, I don't know what it is, John. Um, and, and I don't know why uh, I seem to get these parts um, and and largely for the most part. I'm fortunate and lucky to say this. I I haven't auditioned for them. Maybe if I had, I wouldn't have gotten them. (laughs) Um, um, but I don't know what it is. I don't know. I mean, it might be my age. It might be, uh, you know, my particular mannerisms. I don't know what it is.
0: How do you go about, because I mean, you, you, you're, um, we actually don't go into that much in the way of politics on this show, but you and I are, are are pretty fucking left. Yeah. How do you go into a part like that and keep it from just being a caricature of like a right-wing demagogue?
1: Well, as corny as this is to say, I just empathize. I just empath I just find the thing in that person that's afraid, that is scared. That is, um, because that's what I feel, it's my opinion that that's where a lot of these um, impulses or these um, thinking habits come from. They come from fear and from, from terror of the unknown, fear of being left behind, um, fear of uh, the chaotic nature of life. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and so I just kind of empathize with that. And I look at it that way and see what, what, what is it that this person needs? What is it that this person wants? Um, and it's not to be evil. The person doesn't need or want to be evil or mean or bigoted. They don't think of themselves that way. So I don't basically.
0: What do you think it is that the mom on generation is so scared of?
1: I sort of look at her background, right? She got pregnant early on, probably by accident, as a young woman, probably before she was ready. And I think um, you know, the fact that that happened when she was young probably made her into a very uh, a very rigid person, someone who really wanted to be better at planning and better at organizing. Hmm. Because she didn't want to be caught off guard like that ever again, who probably was um, not that she doesn't love her husband very dearly, but probably because of the pregnancy, got married and, you know, found herself um, pursuing along with her husband a form of religion which provided structure and community and excuses. Mm. and uh that she has sort of gravitated towards that and gotten deeper and deeper and deeper into that as she's gotten older and more entrenched in her beliefs and and in her desires you know she she's she's a member of this particular church this sort of gospel of prosperity evangelicalism um because it's got all the things she wants and none of the things she doesn't all right it's got you know you can be rich in fact you're encouraged <laughs> to pursue wealth you can have sex as long as it's with your husband um uh your straight husband but there's none of the there's none of the unknown there's none of the chaos there's none of the mystery um that i think scares megan so much really so much um that's the part that i think she can't tolerate i think that's in her personality I don't think it comes from her religion. I think she seeks that religion out or that system, I should say, in order to help her make sense of her world.
0: That's lovely. That's actually a really uh, that's a just a very generous, empathetic uh, take on <laughs> on the character. Uh, I like that a lot. Let's back up for a moment. Um, one of the the many interesting, anomalous things about your career, and I've said this to you before, I have this broad generalization that, that the people who go from child actor to adult actor and don't lose their shit and don't end up in rehab usually take about four years to go to college in the middle there. And you mm-hmm. didn't, and yet yeah. somehow held your shit together.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um,
0: and no, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking in broad generalities, but I mean, yeah. if you take like, let's look at Lindsay Lohan vis-a-vis Natalie Portman, you know, just right. to take a right. couple of, of rather broad uh, extremes mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think college is the be all end all, but I think it helps some actors to kind of ground them from 18 to 22. Um, So you avoided that pitfall while Mm -hmm. also avoiding uh, homework. (laughs) And I salute you for that. So, I mean, I'm asking a a huge question here, but like, how do you do it? How do you, how do you keep your shit together? Uh, How are you not um, uh, uh, drug addled and thrice divorced?
1: Well, uh, uh, you have no idea how close I've come, John. (laughs) No, uh, first of all, you, you hit the nail on the head. I do not like homework. Okay. Um, and, um, I mean, I really don't. I think, um, and I think, you know, uh, I didn't go to college primarily because I didn't graduate high school. Oh, um, you didn't? You didn't graduate no. from
0: professional children's school? No. I How did do you my... not graduate from I a know. school that lets you take <laughs> matinees off?
1: <laughs> I know. Well, um, I did my 12 years. But I, f- I failed algebra three times.
0: Oh, um, yeah, that'll do it. Mm-hmm.
1: And I failed, uh, and then I failed every, I mean, they put me in a class called Math as a Human Endeavor, which was for the, <laughs> which was for the, <laughs>
0: which you thought was a gut course. You thought like, right, oh, this is fair. Right. This is for me. This it was I can do. literally this. like
1: balancing your checkbook back when you had checkbooks.
0: Right. right. And,
1: um, you know, and how to leave a tip. And I failed that because how to leave a tip <laughs> yeah yeah literally because i just didn't like doing the homework right i just didn't like it i you know when i when i went to work i considered that work and when i wasn't working i wasn't at work i was on vacation right you know and so i just didn't take school work as seriously as i as i might have or should have but anyway so that's part of why i didn't go to college but also i felt like i i just had seen I'd already seen, I'd already learned how to live independently. I was very independent as a teenager and as a young adult. And your parents had you when they were crazy young. Yeah, my mother had me when she was 23. Good Lord. My father was 19, although I didn't grow up with him. Um, uh, uh, I grew up with my mother in New York. I think growing up in New York helped in New York city. I mean, I, I know I'm not alone in that, but I think that helped. I think having the group of friends I had helped, I didn't have a bunch of showbiz friends. Oh, okay. Interesting. I really didn't. I mean, I, I had showbiz friends, but they weren't my, they weren't my core of friends. My core of friends were, you know, kind of nerdy kids who all, we went to the same school. We were nerdy. We, they weren't, they weren't necessarily, um, you know, stars, but they were performers. They they understood, you know, that life, but they weren't necessarily, um, you know, like big commercial successes or whatever, um, you know, and, and I think, and because of the theater, you know, I grew up very near the theater, which I think also grounds you and also keeps your brain sane because you're thinking about other people when you go to work. You're thinking about the well, you can't be three hours late. Exactly. You can't be three hours late and you also, you can't ignore people's needs. You, you have to be you have to be a community thinker, you know, and when you're in the theater. So I think that probably helped. Um, but, you know, and I, I, you know, let's not give short shrift to my mother. I mean, my mother raised me very well. Um, she was, you know, a very um, Straightforward, down to earth, honest human being. And she taught me the difference between being a movie star and being an actor. She asked mm. me that question very early on.
0: Really? She asked you which one you wanted to be? Yeah.
1: She was like, What do you want to be? Do you want to be a celebrity? Because I remember I was frustrated that I wasn't getting ingenue parts. You know, I felt like, why is Winona Ryder getting to do all these ingenue parts? And I'm always like the best friend who asks all the questions, you know, like, do you think he's going to call? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> do you think he likes you? You know, that was like, if every audition I would have was like all questions and I was getting really sick of it. And my mom said, look, honey, that's just, you know, you have to decide, do you want to be a celebrity? Do you want to be that kind of, that, that kind of person, or do you want to be an actor? Do you want to be good at what you do and, you know, do every role with the same attention to detail and, you know, concentration as, as every other. And, you know, so I guess she, she made it seem attractive to choose, to choose the latter. To
0: choose the idea of just a, a, a career rather than... A career. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Did you... um. I always ask people about the roles that got away and, and you just tipped your hand a little bit. Did you, did you go out for Veronica and Heather's?
1: I think I wanted to. And wow. I, I think I wanted to, um, I definitely wanted, um, her part in Lucas.
0: Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. And, Ooh, Lucas um, is a tough one to watch now. Oof. I
1: know, I know. Oof. Oy vey. Oy. But, um, no, I mean, and uh, I, you know, there were a lot of things. I, I just, I I don't think it was necessarily her or her parts. I think it was just the notion that I, why am I not, why am I not pretty enough? Why am I not, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of a rude awakening. You know, I think it is for any girl, you know, when you're that age and you're, you, you know, you do to a certain extent, um, you, you, you do think about, you know, that stuff. Why don't they think I'm pretty? You know what I mean?
0: But I, I I look at your career, and you cited theater anyway, and I look at your, mm-hmm. let's look at, like, the other, let's look at the other Goonies, let's look mm-hmm. at the other um, people who are around your age from parenthood, mm-hmm. and the the key distinction is that you did a ton of theater. Yes. The key yep. distinction is that you did Albie, and you did Stoppard and you did Shakespeare, and you did Sondheim, and, mm-hmm. and... And I, I think you're right. I think that is the that's your college. That's what like yes maybe brought you a certain degree of humility and discipline. Yes. Is that fair to say?
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely it's true. And I also I was lucky to work with some real heavy hitter directors very early. Mm. And so, you know, I learned a lot from being on those sets, you know. Um, Sidney Lumet, Martin Ritt. Um, you know, Ron Howard. I worked with a lot of directors who weren't douchebags and who weren't morons, who were really like top tip, top, top, top of their craft. And I learned how you behave on a set, you know? I
0: was watching Running on Empty and I I feel like when I talk to people who were working when they were very young, sometimes they just kind of stumbled onto a set and were like, oh, I guess this is a job and this is what we do. Right. But I have a feeling that Martha Plimpton, even at that age, knew that it was a big deal to work with Sidney Lumet.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I have a feeling like you're the sort of person yeah. <laughs> who is like, wow, this guy did Serpico. Let's focus.
1: Yes. <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was probably more like dog day afternoon. Okay. Um, but, but yes, absolutely. What was I, that experience like? It was incredible and it was wonderful and he was wonderful. Um, I mean, not to mention the fact that I was acting opposite my real life boyfriend at the time. Right. But Sydney, he first of all, he rehearsed like a play. Really? He rehearsed all his movies like they were a play. And so he'd do two or three weeks of rehearsal, first around a table, just like a play. First around a table. And then he would map out the sets in the rehearsal room with tape and props and where the furniture was. You knew where everything was, just like in a theater. This is and, a luxury that a lot yes. of films
0: do not provide.
1: No, and you and you'd run it by the time you were done, you would be running the movie like a play in a rehearsal room. And that way he knew exactly what he wanted. He rarely did more than two or three takes and you were in and out nine to five, boom, five o'clock. That was it. And, and so that was the kind of like really rigorous, but joyful, joyful Mm. rigor, um, which is another, another expression that I like to use now when talking about theater and I suppose it should, it should apply to movies as well, but that's the kind of, that's what gave me the the sense of the way I like to work. I like specificity, have fun, you know, and know what you're doing. No, you know, be prepared. Um, yeah, but it was great. And he was a lovely, lovely man.
0: Yeah. I've never heard anyone speak, speak ill of yeah. the guy. Yeah. Um, we, um, we have to talk about Goonies a little. Oh,
1: uh, okay,
0: um, uh, and uh, it's you know it's it's gonna lead your obituary. Um, uh, uh, are you okay with Do you that? Think so.
1: Uh,
0: I mean, it's gonna be. I mean, listen. You've you've got an, As I say, you've got an incredible career. But you said it yourself. This is the thing that you are still recognized for. Yeah. A thirty-five-year-old um, role. And look, there's actors who, n- who you know, aren't going to have obituaries. <laughs> right.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Um, what did you have any idea when you were working on that, that it was going to be the the phenomenon and th- that it was going to have the, the legs that it's had? I mean, right. it holds up, my kids love it.
1: Right. Well, I think we we hoped it would be a huge hit. Right. And when it wasn't. Because initially. let's be honest, it was not initially a hit. Um, it was kind of disappointing. Mm. um and I just thought well you know it was only my second movie well third technically but my second movie in which I had a substantial part right um and you know I was bummed that it but you know you move on you're just like okay well moving on but it just so happened that right around the same time came the advent of blockbuster video right. and the popularity of cable and both things kind of converged to make this thing um, like a home video experience you know you're mo- most likely to see this on a home video yeah and I think that's the way most human beings have seen this movie which is interesting
0: I saw it opening weekend by the way.
1: Oh, you did!
0: Fuck yeah, I saw it on a joint custody weekend with my dad. Oh Um, my god! uh, 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 Movies were our our baseball. It was like a safe thing for us to talk about, and it kind of checked all our boxes because it was you know it starred kids, but it had a little bit of like the swashbuckling adventure shit that my dad liked. Right. So it was it was a great afternoon out. That's Um, great. Do you do you keep in touch with those guys at all? No. No. Okay.
1: I mean, we we occasionally, uh, you know, we, we, I know you guys we, do
0: like the odd commentary, yeah, or, reunion exactly, and stuff. or yeah, exactly, yeah,
1: exactly, do the the reunion or whatever. Not, you know, I I, I you know, I I really do like I like them a lot. I lo- I like Carrie a lot, and and um, they're all sweet sweet people. Um, but I don't, I don't. know. there's there's it, it, it,
0: no. I hate to ask this. What is Carrie up to?
1: Carrie is living. In a, a house with children, and that's about all I know.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: Yeah. I mean, I you know, we just we just like have the occasional email where, you know, I think she saw generation maybe and, and oh, really? liked it. Yeah, yeah. So that was nice.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Um I just got an electric thrill knowing that Carrie Green watched something I'm on. But yes! is, I, I get that just happened to me just now. That's uh that's a thing that just happened.
1: That's awesome.
0: Find us on your podcast app of choice or watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash office hours live. But are the animals because I, I don't
1: smell them. Smell them.
0: <laughs> we're, we're bouncing around your, your career a little bit here. I, mm-hmm. I rewatched Parenthood and it's, it's a really interesting piece of work. And I'm saying, I swear to God, I'm not just saying this cause you're my guest and I know you, but the stuff with you and Diane is my favorite shit in that movie. I don't really? know how, it, I swear to God, because there's, look, it's, it's an early Ron Howard directorial effort. It's right. written by two sitcom veterans.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Babalu um, Mandel and Lowell and Gans.
0: Lowell Gans um, who uh, and it's got a little bit of that rhythm. It's got a little mm-hmm. of that beat joke, beat joke, beat joke thing mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. But you guys, it's a good script. It's a good script, yes. and it's a great cast. It's a fucking phenomenal yeah. cast. But yeah. there's moments where it feels a little, a little pat. Mm-hmm. And and except, I swear to God, when you and Diane Weister are on screen. Was there rehearsal in that, on that film? There was,
1: there was there a was. little, there was a little bit. Yeah, there was a little bit. We did, we did rehearse a little bit, although not as much as, as on Running on Empty, of course. But yeah, we did rehearse a little bit.
0: But you two, you two, Robards, obviously, you're the big theater vets in that cast. For uh-huh. For the most part, am I wrong about that? Nah, Tom Hulse, maybe done Tom a Hulse, by then? Tom Hulse, Tom okay. Holtz, yeah. Yeah, he was right. in,
1: you know he'd done uh he started in theater he he'd done um wait was he in the theater version of Amadeus or just the movie he was just in the movie theater oh, okay. was um
0: uh from Broadway it was uh, I think it was Tim Curry on Broadway
1: oh yeah oh was it right. I don't know
0: I anyway, don't know um but um yeah I mean it was before he'd done few good men
1: yes 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 and that's a that's a good point um and I hadn't actually really thought of that but I I knew Diane Weiss and I was a fan of Diane Weiss. How did you I, know her?
0: Just from New York stuff? Or? I
1: No, I had seen her in a film called Independence Day where she played the- This is
0: not the alien invasion film.
1: No, it was oh. an early, small, low budget film in which she played the battered wife of Cliff DeYoung. Oh, yeah. And there was a, and I mean, I'll never forget her in this movie. And there's a scene where she pours gasoline all over the inside of the house, and he comes home, and she lights a match, and kaboom. Wow. And I will never forget the look on her face when she lit that match. And I had seen that movie on cable, obviously. I was a major cable head. I watched cable constantly. I mean, I watched the same movies over and over and over, you know, but I knew her from that film. And so I really admired her and I was a fan of hers.
0: This cast is bonkers. It's Kathleen Quinlan. David Keith is in here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was a really cool, interesting, simple movie about, you know, people in a small town. Yeah. Um, And uh, so, yeah, so I knew who she was and, and. I was a fan of hers. And so we just had a really good chemistry. She and I, we really liked each other and she was a good, beautiful, wonderful scene partner and person. She was just a lovely person. And, you know, and I think that it, it might've contributed as well to, you know, my learning experience from her as well, you know, learning how to be on a set, you know, yeah, and the kind of person you want to be on a set. Um, you know, she was just lovely.
0: She's the sort of person who just who tends to really shine in ensemble pieces. She mm-hmm. tends to like, you know, yes. she'll be in a cast of all these heavy hitters, and she's the one who walks out with an Oscar.
1: Yes, um,
0: she she really has a, a an incredible run like that. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. if we're talking amazing ensembles, this is touchier. But um, I, I was watching another woman, mm-hmm. um, which. You know, we don't have to talk about the the director necessarily, but that cast is crazy. You're in yeah. a scene with Jenna Rollins and John
1: Houseman. I know. And it took it took about a month to shoot that scene. We we reshot that scene, I think, three or four times.
0: Why is that? Was Houseman just having trouble with lines or
1: I always thought it was me, you know, because I'm like oh, a piece oh, of shit on. at the center of the universe. <laughs> um, and also because just to be honest, and Woody just did, he just didn't like me. He just didn't like me. Uh,
0: now what? How did that manifest? I mean, he's it's like it's from what I've heard of the man. It's not like he's a particularly effusive guy or a big hugger, anyway. So how do you how do you he, tell?
1: He interpreted my intimidation for um, as uh, condescension. He thought that I was being condescending towards Jenna Rollins in a scene where I literally pick her up. It's like two lines. Yeah. And I had to pick, not ring the doorbell and say, you ready? We should probably get going. Yeah. That was the line. And I think we must have done about 20,000 takes because he said that I was being condescending.
0: That's maybe a page. I was just watching the scene. It's yeah. maybe a page.
1: maybe. Maybe. And um,
0: so and he just, that's a New York thing that like people think that when our back is up against the wall, we're being condescending. I, I get it, that sometimes, too.
1: I think it is. I think it is.
0: Well, but I as a New Yorker, is. he should fucking know that. That's
1: right. And <laughs> as I, a kept short like, New Yorker. I kept saying like, what I am. I, and so the more and the more he gave me that note, the more, I guess, condescending air quotes I became. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Anyway, but but yes, doing those scenes and working with, first of all, Jenna Rollins could not have been cooler. Oh, she was just fabulous. That. She was fantastic. I loved her. I loved her. She bummed a cigarette off me. Oh, I loved that. Man. <laughs> and uh, and you know, and at the time, she smoked one hundreds. You remember one hundreds? Oh God, yeah. Yeah, uh, but she ended up. Uh, she she was uh, she deigned to bum one of my uh, Marlboro lights. And uh, (laughs) um, that had to be
0: a really electric feeling. It was,
1: it was really.
0: To give a cigarette to General. To General. (laughs) That had to have been incredible.
1: Yeah. And then John Houseman, who was already like half dead, but you know, he was still, he was totally compass mentis. I mean. Oh, he was. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but all I remember really about that is that that scene with them took about, we went and reshot that about three times.
0: Well, it's an interesting movie because it's it's at the peak of Woody's Bergman fandom kind yeah. of you know. So it's takes itself hella seriously. Yes. And it's light on the jokes and it's filled with a lot of people who didn't, this is really interesting because he had a sort of corral of people he would go to all the time. Mm-hmm. Diane is one of them. And Mia Farrow is in Another Woman, but yes. in a strangely supporting tertiary role and everybody else is filled with people who are not Woody regulars. It's Jenna, right. Gene Hackman. Right. Um, it's it's you, um, Ian, Betty Holm. Ian Holm. Ian Holm, Buckley, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that like, it was really kind of a, an outlier in the Woody canon, Like mm-hmm. those people didn't necessarily come back.
1: No. For and whatever they, they, reason. Yeah. And I guess, and I'm one of them. Um, yeah. But, but I, but it weirdly enough, it's, and I hate saying this that, cause it sounds so stupid, but it's one of my favorite movies of his. Um, is it really? Yeah, it is. I think it's one of my favorite sort of serious movies of his.
0: Is it because you're now the age that Jenna, well, we're a little younger than that, but is it, is it that?
1: No, I, I, I loved it when it, when it came out. I loved Jenna in it. I thought she's great. She's absolutely great in it. And, and the Betty Buckley scene where she comes in to the party and confronts Ian Holm is such a powerful scene. I think, and Gene Hackman is great in it. I just think yeah. it's one of his more narratively strong movies. Yeah. You know, um, it's got a different, it's got a different tone. It's got a different ear to yeah. it. Um, and largely, I think, because the actors mostly adhered to the script.
0: Um, yeah, it doesn't have that kind of looser conversational quality that some of his other films have. No. I understand he actually is, it will give some freedom he'll say like make this sound like it's coming out of your mouth but you don't hear that in this movie it it sounds more written
1: yes yes that's what i think so too yeah Mm -hmm.
0: interesting Mm -hmm. it's a it's it's a wild piece of work because it it starts with a cold open which a lot of his films Mm -hmm. don't most of his films don't right um it's um and it takes this one kind of like idea that could be kind of farcical. She can hear the therapist through the wall, right, right. but then explores it from all these very serious angles and mm-hmm. you know the road not taken and stuff. It's, it's an interesting, uh, yeah, it's an interesting piece of work. It's on, yeah. um, it's just sitting there for free on Hulu. Oh, cool. Let's jump ahead for a little while. You've worked a fair amount in, in London
1: mm-hmm.
0: doing American plays in London. Yeah. Are you mm-hmm. do you find yourself the the lone american expert on that? Are you like are you like the resident dialect coach or no. Uh, no. What was it like doing sweat over there? I love that play. It was
1: it was really really incredible. It really and it changed my life in a lot of ways. Um I've really felt for the first time in a long time that I had a a community there. Mm. Uh I, that I had a community period. Um uh, it was a really, really invigorating production. Uh, the director, Lynette Linton, is a young woman. She was 28 when we started rehearsing this. Wow. It was her first sort of, you know, play in the big time, as it were. And she became, I mean, honestly, she became like a mentor to me. I mean, I i am a major Lynette Linton devotee. Um, And I will follow her pretty much anywhere. She just is, again, with the joyful rigor. You know, she is absolutely uh, rigorous in her rehearsal process, but it's always from a place of love and fun. We spent a huge amount of time around the table, talking before we got up from the table. We began every day with a dance party Wow.
0: that's a now let's make this very clear here sweat is about um a a town that is basically built around um a plant of a steel, mill. A a steel, steel mill a steel mill um and the the town is uh is being very slowly economically devastated by the owners of the steel mill that's on right. a couple of fronts so it is not an upbeat play no. and it ends <laughs> on a pretty dark note
1: yes um
0: and some horrible shit happens right um and you started every day with a dance party.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. Each of us, um, <laughs> each of us was told to bring in three songs <laughs> and, you know, she'd say tomorrow it's you, Martha, you bring in three songs um, and you play those three songs and everybody dances. And, joyful rigor. Yeah. Joyful rigor. And also just to get, you know, our body, this is another thing about working in England is, is, it is a given that you will have a movement director and mm. that movement and how to use your body will be uh, inherent to the rehearsal process. It'll be an absolute necessity, whereas in the States, we don't have that as much. And I really believe we should. Um, what, are some,
0: what are some other differences between American actors and, and British actors that you've found?
1: Well, I think British actors, first of all, most of them have gone to school. Yeah. A, a, some conservatory or another. Um and so most of them, you know, have ex- have had that experience of going to an, an acting school and you know, studying the classics and um, you know, playing, you know, a variety of roles in school. Um but I think it gives them um I think it gives them a sense how do I say this? a sense of there's more of of, of a of a seriousness about the work so that it can be taken less seriously in general. There's so much, there's such, there's such an honesty and earnestness about the work that they don't have to be full of shit for the most part. You know, that's, like
0: that's amazing. That's exactly you know what, what I mean. I, found. I totally yeah. I've, I've, I've had I've never done a theater in the UK, but I've done some work for the BBC and for Channel 4. And mm-hmm. and my experience has been that they take the work seriously, but they don't take themselves seriously. That's
1: exactly right. That's exactly right. Absolutely. I mean, I, I haven't worked with some of the, you know, big muckety mucks over there. The dames and knights. <laughs> dames and sirs. And, yeah, yeah, dames and sirs. Uh, and I imagine that might be a little bit different, but, uh, but you know, your, your, basic rank and file actor in England, uh, is a person who, as you say, does not take themselves too seriously, but, but takes the work very seriously. And then, and it's also because everyone does this movement work, there's a great deal of trust mm. built it, built into the process, trust in one another, Trust in you know your director. Um, you you don't feel like everyone's in it for themselves. Like when it, on Broadway, the tendency I feel is to for to come to work and sort of see who's gonna fuck you up first. Oh no! You know what I mean? It's oh, it's dear. a there's a little bit of suspicion there, mm-hmm. um, and a little bit of fear. Um, and you know, not all the time. Not all the time. But but sometimes, um, and I just haven't found that in in London. I, I found it to be a much more sort of convivial kind of environment, you know. And also, everyone goes out for a pint
0: yeah. after the show and after <laughs> yeah. rehearsal.
1: Everyone yeah, um, and that's I think where you do some of your best work. Frankly, <laughs> is in the pub after after rehearsal. I'm
0: wondering how much of it has to do with a lot of the British actors I know have a fair amount of not disdain, but suspicion for that sort of internal American method stuff Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um, of like you got to go back to your childhood to find out um, Mm -hmm. why you're broken. And then you got to use that in the work. Mm -hmm. And there's almost a flip of that in Britain where you're like, no, we're going to use our external circumstances. We're going to use our costumes. We're going to use our sets. Yes. We're going to use our bodies. Right. Do you think that plays into it a little bit? Yes, that absolutely.
1: And and I and I have always worked that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like to joke that I'm a hair actor. If I don't get the hair right, I never find the character. I We've just said don't. this before. You
0: have an incredible fucking wig on Generation. I don't Thank even think you. people realize it's a wig. It is. One of the most, and I'm, I, you know, I'm watching it on high def on a nice big right. screen and I get yeah. close. you can't see the webbing. That is a great fucking wig. Thank you. That really, salute, really good. salute to you. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm saluting you, but I'm also saluting our hair team, which yes, yes. do incredible, incredible stuff. Um, yeah. uh, they also had, I had my hair dyed Black for a role in between the chunks of generation, right? And they had to, they had to resilver me when I came back to oh, work. Oh wow,
1: you didn't? They, I couldn't tell at all.
0: Well, of course you couldn't. They were in there with a paint marker.
1: Oh a wow, a silver paint marker
0: going very specifically, going off of photos from right, October. Right, uh, Incredibly meticulous. Work.
1: Amazing, such craft. You should know that the wig is. Um, I guess we're giving it away that I wear a wig, but the wig is based on it's based on Jenna Rollins. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, it's my <laughs> it's my little homage. It's my little hat tip to Jenna.
0: Quite yeah. literal hat tip. That's yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. You have to tip your hat to see it. Yeah, um, yeah. That's fucking amazing. You mentioned yeah. a little bit your experience on Broadway. Um, and we we're, we don't have to dish, but what was a really positive? You've done some. I mean, you did Coast of Utopia*. You did yeah. make it Balance. Balance*. Um, it's not Broadway. You've done some work at the Delacorte, which is a mm-hmm. dream of mine. Yeah. What, what are some that really? What are some things that really stick out? Is like this was oh, well, incredible Coast, experience. Coast
1: of Utopia was the tip top top of them all. Really? I mean, that, yes, uh, that was. I mean, they've all been I- incredible experiences, and I loved working at the Delacorte. I loved it. Um, and doing Midsummer was a, a it was a blast. But you were Helena. I was Helena. Yeah, yeah. I was Helena. Yeah, that Um, got great reviews.
0: That got great, great notices. Yeah,
1: and I got some real good laughs, which I was proud of. It's not easy to get laughs in Shakespeare. Um... But uh, um, Shakespeare outdoors, it, don't even lust. if even if it's a comedy, you know, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, Shakespeare is not necessarily his humor. His comedy doesn't really translate uh, to modern when, times. But but when,
0: when but when you mine those laughs, the audience yeah. is on your side from the get go. Yeah, totally. And I, I didn't see that, but I've seen tons of other comedies at the Delacorte. yeah. yeah and I'm always yeah. A, when somebody like figures out a way into mm-hmm, the joke mm-hmm. into this literally 400 year old joke.
1: Yeah. It's, <laughs> It's yeah.
0: the most exciting thing in the world.
1: It is. It's really exciting. Um, so, but but Coast of Utopia was life changing, totally really? life changing. It was a nine month experience doing three plays in repertory, um, and s- towards the end we did all three in one day um, in a series of marathons on Saturdays. In which we would just eat and sleep in the theater. We'd be there from you know 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. Um, yeah, when was the, was the
0: first show 11?
1: The first show and the marathon days was at 11 a.m. Oh my God, I know it was crazy, really crazy. Yeah, because we'd finish the show the night before at 11, so we'd have to run home and like immediately get to sleep. Right. Um, yeah, and then come in and do and do the next one, but it was. And the audience would, would, obviously, they would stay with us for for all three. And so we were experiencing this incredible sort of communion with these people, with this audience. We'd been through literally a lifetime together in one day. Yeah. And, you know, and plus the production was just so lush and so beautiful. It was directed by Jack Mm O'Brien. And it was so, I mean, the music was lush and gorgeous and the sets were... Insanely beautiful. And we started, we began every show underneath this huge piece of china silk that we would all be under, sort of making float. And it was just, and then it would just disappear in an instant, this china silk. It was incredible. And just the experience of that. And also just saying Tom Stoppard's words and, yeah. you know, and having him in the rehearsal room with us for all three rehearsal processes. Was you know, this the
0: and it was the American premiere? Was it the world
1: premiere? No. The world okay. premiere was in London, but the play went underwent some significant changes when we Well, did he's it. constantly tweaking. Yes, he's still yes. he's
0: still tweaking the real thing. He's Absol- he's yeah. Yeah. he's <laughs> plugging away at these things. They're never yeah. done.
1: No, exactly. And, and and he's just well, obviously he's a genius. And uh just a very generous writer very generous to actors i mean he just gives you the most beautiful things to say Mm -hmm. and um and the most you know complicated and interesting things to play um and it was just it was just so magical and you know i i have friends from that show that i knew before but i made friends there that i i will have for the rest of my life for the rest of my life. I mean, we became so close. Um, yeah, it was really, that was really an experience that I'll never, ever forget.
0: Are there, are there roles in the great plays that you're looking forward to that you haven't had a chance to do yet that are on your list?
1: Um, I don't think about this too much because I don't want to be disappointed when I inevitably don't get cast in them.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. But Fair I, enough. I,
1: I do think I'd make a good Martha in Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf.
0: God, I was hoping you were going to say that.
1: I, <laughs> I do think I'd do a good job at that. I think.
0: Yeah, you'd crush that.
1: I'd like to play Lady Macbeth as well. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'd also like to play Hamlet. But you know, I'm a 50 year old woman. Who knows? I don't know who,
0: who could easily pass for a 24 year old Danish. <laughs> guy, so um,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's I true. I
0: I think that works out fine. It'll be sort of a yeah. Peter Pan thing. I think right, that's great. Right, right, right. I have no quarrel with that.
1: But um, you know, I I, I, <laughs> I every time I think about parts I want to play, they they seem to va- you know, as soon as I, it's it's like immediately, like as soon as I said, you know what, I want to do a reading of Hamlet in my house. And um, over a weekend I want to do a weekend workshop of Hamlet as soon as I did that like three women got cast as Hamlet somewhere in theaters like like I was like oh okay who was the,
0: who was the one who just did it in Brooklyn um, Ruth Nega. that's right that's yeah. right
1: yeah and the, the, uh, <laughs> look they're all fine actresses and they're all terrific no
0: one's saying they're not great no,
1: but it's just a weird if I put it out there in the universe someone else is gonna do it that's just you know it's how it works
0: Maybe it's my lack of ambition, but I, I have just been waiting 20 years to age into Polonius. Just, I want to just kind of yeah, keep my, keep my would, sights kind of low and just kind of- You <laughs>
1: would be a fantastic Polonius.
0: Oh, I've got most of Act 2 off. It's great.
1: Yeah, <laughs> great.
0: Yeah. So I watched a little bit of your work on on Younger mm. um, with, with Sutton Foster. And um, it, it's sort of a, a fun- villain role for right. you. Um but I was really something I, I I watched, I'll be honest, I watched exactly one episode you were in, but in that one episode you say the line, nobody will give a 40 year old woman a chance to start over again. Mm-hmm. You say that to to the whole conceit of the show is that she's blind about her age and she's 15 right. years older than she claims to be, etc. Right. And I sat, found myself talking to my TV going, but like Martha, you've you've started over <laughs> a few times since 40. <laughs> And Mm -hmm. you almost throw the entire thesis of the show down the toilet (laughs) just Uh, by being you. What is is that? Does this go back to to Shelley's advice about do you want to be a movie star or do you want to be an actor, do you think?
1: Well, sure. I mean, look, I mean, that show, as fun as it is to do, I mean, it's just a really fun bubblegum, you know, comedy that you know is a delight to do but
0: there is an interesting the the central idea of it the presentation is what it is but the central right. idea of like right. what if we ageism wasn't an issue like it right. is for so many women but right. you do seem to have um transcended a lot of the traps a lot of mm. look a lot of actors your age have decided to marry a real estate mogul right or develop a lifestyle brand and you know they <laughs> work occasionally And that's fucking it, you know, and you consistently defy that.
1: Yeah. Well, I haven't gotten married. Okay. I haven't, I have yet to meet the, the mogul.
0: Okay.
1: Um, that interests me. Sure. Um, I'm still single and happily so, um, you know, I, I haven't had to make any decisions based on anything, but what I want to do. Hmm and that's the luxury of of uh you know having no children and no husband. Um I don't have to answer to anybody else but me. And I I like it like that. I I do. I'm not going to lie. I I really like it like that. Um you know and there look like with every every actor with every career you know I've got my 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 down stretches, you know. I've got my periods of you know, near poverty and they, they believe me, I'll I'll have another one. There's another, I'm doing another one. Um, but I don't know. I just keep plugging along. It's all I know how to do, Mm -hmm. you know? And also I work to have fun. I don't work to, uh, I don't work to get somewhere, you know, I, I work so that I can have a good time.
0: You work for this job, not for the next job.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That's a, that's
0: a really good place to be. And it takes a lot of actors a while to get
1: there. It does. It took me about up until my late 20s to figure that out. That's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad.
0: That's not bad. There's plenty but I had of people a head R. start. Age who were, yeah. uh, you had a head start. No question. I had a head start. Yeah. No <laughs> question. Um, it still took you 20 years. Right. But yeah. <laughs> it's very very hard to stay in the moment in this line of work. Mm-hmm. And but you know, as far as like looking for the next job, that's your agent's gig. Your agent's yes. supposed to be worried about that. You are supposed to do the job that you're doing right now. Yeah. And it's it's hard sometimes to stay in the moment because we all get so easily scared.
1: Yes. Exactly. Scared is true and i and and that's that's exactly it the idea i want to have a good time doing this otherwise there's no point otherwise i could you know i'll i'll work in an office you know it's that that old cliche you know this this is very few people have the good fortune to be able to do this for a living and i want to enjoy it um you know and i went through a period in my 20s where i was an asshole All people in their 20s have a period of of assholeness, assholishness, because when you're in your 20s, you think you know everything. Luckily, I got over it. I passed through that phase. And uh, How how grateful
0: are you that we didn't have social media in our So, so grateful. Holy shit, man. There, but for the grace of God.
1: I mean, uh... My career uh, would have been done
0: before it started. yeah.
1: Exactly. I mean, I, some of the interviews I did when I was in my early twenties, I'm like, no, Martha, shut up. No, no. Yeah. And I think you shouldn't be allowed to do interviews before you're 35.
0: Yeah, that seems fair. 35 seems like a great, 35,
1: um, 35. You can start doing interviews before then. No. No interviews.
0: Yeah, you can't be president, and you can't yeah, do an interview yeah, exactly, until you're thirty-five. Exactly. I, I, I say we change the constitution <laughs> to reflect that. I, I'm hundred percent in on this. Yeah, yeah. Um, were there some uh, some sort of character journeyman people that you looked up to when you when you were coming up? I mean, you got such an early start. You probably worked with some of them, but but yeah. Were there people you looked at like, oh, that's a cool career. I, I want. I want. to try that maybe.
1: Well, we've already talked about one, Diane Weist. All right, Sure. Um, Brian Dennehy. Oh, Danny, he, who I did my very first movie with, oh, um, wow. he, he was, uh, he was like a wonderful uncle. He was just, and I loved his work. Um, and Tommy Lee Jones, who was in that same movie. Oh, wow. I always admired. And I always liked, I mean, I know he's got kind of a rough reputation, but, uh, and he was, you know, not the friendliest guy initially, but you know, he came around, and, you know, he was someone I admired. Um,
0: what I had- loved about Dennehy was he had
1: he had a lot more
0: range than a guy his yes. with that look would yes. necessarily present. He could be avuncular, he could be scary, he mm-hmm. could be incredibly vulnerable. And mm-hmm. I also loved the way he would go from, like, kind of, you know, the multicam sitcom work to Robert right. Falls' Death of a Salesman just...
1: Exactly. With a very
0: a clean.
1: Yeah. And one his for death them, of a, one for me. His death of a salesman with Kathy Chalfont was That's wonderful. Right. Was, was really Kathy wonderful. Chalfant. That's right. I forgot and I and she was really wonderful. Yeah. Um Because and and he was so great because it's not a character you associate with his sort of big burly physicality. You know what I mean?
0: No, he's a, he's a man broken by the yeah. world. Yeah.
1: But but because of his size you saw him literally physically sort of shrink
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, over the course of that play. And I just loved him in that. He was wonderful, but there are so many like that, that I really admired and that I really, you know, I really, really Roddy McDowell, you know, love Roddy McDowell, love Roddy McDowell. And, you know, he's one of those classic, you know, true journeyman actors who, who, just was just so wonderful in that he wanted everyone to know each other. He wanted, you know what I mean? He had no age barriers. He had none of that. He, he wanted, you know, he wanted his community to be large and he was just fabulous. I well, love this sort
0: of social gadfly reputation that's yes. helped by the fact that he was a photographer of his yes, friends.
1: Yes. Yes. He took pictures of every, he took my picture. Oh my! Um, we, I'm, I'm drawing a
0: blank. Would you, would you, work we with did
1: him? a, a really, really dreadful movie called Last Summer in the Hamptons is a Henry Jaglam movie.
0: Oh my God, you worked with Henry Jaglam? That's right. I yes. did even touch on that. Yes. He's supposed to be profound fucking the misfortune,
1: the profound misfortune to work with Henry Jaglam. He's um, fucking crazy,
0: right? Yes, he's like legitimately he's ab- out of his mind.
1: Yeah, he is. Yes, absolutely.
0: And like it's what, not the it's fun, so funny because you know I, I know there's been a couple of moments throughout the course of this interview and where both of us have maybe held right. back and reserved some opinions and been a little politic, right. but it's open season on Henry Jaglum. Yeah. Everyone knows he's fucking crazy. You you will not <laughs> harm your career by saying so. No, nope. <laughs> no, nope.
1: he was nuts, totally nuts.
0: But, but you met Roddy McDowell.
1: I <laughs> did and it, and it was a you know I mean look it's also where I met Melissa Leo and it's oh, where wow. where I I I I got to know Brooke Smith we played sisters. It was a very interesting I'm trying to cast. get Brooke Smith. I want Brooke Smith on this podcast. She will do it. She will I do it. I would
0: love to have Brooke Smith another fascinating New Yorker. Yes,
1: absolutely. But also like crazy like amazing cast of people, Roddy. And, he gets and, people
0: to work with him. I know. Everyone knows he's fucking nuts. I know. And he's going to, he's going to not respect your boundaries and right. they show up.
1: Well, I mean, it's like, well, you hear that, you know, Roddy McDowell and Robbie Bates was in it. That's why I did it. Cause Robbie Bates. John Robin said, Bates. Yeah. John Robin Bates said, will you come and be in this movie? And yeah. I, and I was in the Hamptons. I was renting a house in Sag Harbor for a year and, and, uh, I was there anyway. So it's like, okay, I'll be there. I'll show up. It's all improvised. You know, little did I know that Henry Jaglin would take credit for everyone else's work. amazing. But
0: yeah. Uh, who who, uh, who are you looking for? Ron Rifkin? Is that the name you're looking for? Ron
1: Rifkin was in it. Yeah. I got
0: Holland Taylor, who's fascinating. Holland Taylor I like her was a in lot. it.
1: She was great. She, she would do your podcast too. She's awesome. I've um, met her.
0: I worked with her one time. Um, she's
1: fantastic. I love She's her. She's great.
0: She's great. Yeah, you know, she has a lower back friend. tattoo.
1: Yes, she has a, she a has fucking a tramp, tramp stamp. stamp. I know. Holland
0: Taylor has a fucking tramp stamp.
1: I know. We I were know. showing off
0: tattoos on set one time, and as a bit, I said, "Hey, Holland, let's see your tattoos." Ha ha ha! You're in your 70s, and she turns around, and I'm like, "Wow, she's really committing to this bit." And then she hikes up her shirt, and I felt like the biggest schmuck in the world. Uh, (laughs)
1: uh, Roscoe Lee Brown. Roscoe Lee Brown. And and Andre Gregory.
0: Oh my God!
1: I mean, what a cast, right? What a cast! Crazy and Vivica Lynn first. Yeah. I mean. Oh my God, Diane Salinger. Yeah. What I a love Diane Salinger
0: too. Um, yeah. Simone from Pee-wee's Big Adventure, among yes, other yes, myriad right. other things.
1: That's right.
0: Uh, that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what it it missed my uh, it missed my radar. I got to go see Last Summer in the Hamptons now, despite your uh, your uh, advice I, against it.
1: I mean, look, if you want to put yourself through that, you go. Grow- I mean, it's an interesting it's an interesting novelty. It's an interesting sort of novelty movie, you know, because of that cast. It's definitely, and Chris Tabori, I mean, come on.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so fantastic.
1: It's, a, it's definitely an interesting uh, foray into, you know, I, I don't know how, you, and also you get to see Robbie Bates act. That's fun. And he's pretty good. He's pretty That's good. That's fun.
0: Yeah. I love Substance of Fire. Yeah. I love that play. I've done, yeah. uh, there's that big, uh, there's that big monologue uh, that he gives to one of the sons who's mm-hmm. just giving up on the publishing house. Yeah. Um, you know, published Proust, published uh, Hustler for All I Care.
1: Right. It's a really, really great play. And and Other Desert Cities is the play I did in London, the first play I did in London at the Old Vic.
0: That's right.
1: Which was really, a, it was a great experience.
0: That had to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it was hard, but it was great. Why was it hard? Well, it it was hard. That play is hard. For that character, you know, she's really got to lose it every night.
0: And it's um, the,
1: um, it's the daughter who's
0: written the thing that every, it basically is loosely based on her family.
1: That's right. And exactly. they all kind of
0: turn on her because of this. Right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. They all turn on her. And that was, that was hard to do. And also it's a deeply American play.
0: It takes place. I mean, it's based on a road sign that you see yeah. upon leaving California, yeah. leaving Los Angeles. Other yes. desert cities is literally a sign right. you see on the ten going east. Right.
1: That's exactly right. That towards Palm Springs. Yeah. And um, and uh, but it's because it's such a deeply American play. I think it presented challenges for the cast. I was the only American. Um, that's just conceptually that I think. Sometimes they don't translate. You mm-hmm. know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: It's like it's like certain class things don't always translate for American actors, you know, the, the British have a very clear, very defined sense of class. Um, and in the States, it's a it's more it's it's more mixed up, you know. It's a little more and, loosey and it, goosey. Yeah, over here. And, and and it's a play about, you know, um Jews who are kind of self hating. And who are sort of trying, you know, trying to be in this other class? You know what I mean? So it was, you know, what I mean. It it just presented challenges that not that everybody wasn't great. I mean, they were. But how is
0: it? I mean, here's this American play Mm -hmm. that takes place in the desert. There's right. no deserts in the UK Right. Um, uh, uh, outside Los Angeles, mm-hmm. which is its own thing. There's nothing right. in like, there's moments where you walk around London and go, oh, this is a little bit like New York. This is a little bit right. like San Francisco. There's nothing in London that looks like LA. Nothing. On any level. I don't care. If, even if you're on a lot, even for your Shepperton right. studios, there is nothing that feels yeah. like Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And here you are doing this very Southern mm-hmm. California play. How was it received?
1: Um, I I don't tend to read reviews, Nor should you. Um, but yeah, but um, but, but as like, far that's as what I you know, but you are on stage; you can feel yeah, the audience. No, I, the audience was interesting. I, I mean, I I I think it was pretty well received. I think it was, um, but you know, it, it was also my first experience doing a play there, so I also was sort of figuring out like the the the, the more reserved nature of the English audience. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Um, they don't jump up and give a standing ovation the way we do. We we get up, we get up like before the play's even over. We're standing up and applauding. We just we're so desperate to be a part of the show in this country. And we're also desperate
0: to prove that the, the exorbitant amount of money we just spent was worth That's it. That's
1: right, exactly, exactly. And with we're, theater yeah. being
0: much cheaper in London.
1: Much cheaper, yeah.
0: But yeah, they're a, they're a quieter bunch. Uh, over yeah, there they are, general. they
1: definitely are.
0: Um, Martha Plimpton... Yeah. I can't thank you enough for doing this. This was such a nice talk. I so
1: appreciate it.
0: You're just a perfect guest for this. This was so goddamn fun.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely. This was great.
0: And that is an episode wrap on Martha Plimpton. Hit like, hit subscribe, write a review, tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Household (laughs) Faces. Forever.